as we did last week and as we do occasionally throughout the year, we remind ourselves of what we're really all about, okay? And that is our purpose statement, our mission statement, uh, our strategy uh, of really becoming fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Our purpose statement is simply this, a great commitment to the great commandment will grow a great church and great people. It's based on two portions of Scripture, Matthew 22, the great commandment, and then uh, Matthew 28, the great commission. Our mission in fulfilling our purpose is, is this. We join people seeking purpose, and we offer life through Jesus Christ. We join them. We don't push them. We don't pull them. We don't shove them. We join them. We walk alongside people who are seeking purpose. We are a purpose-driven church. And our strategy really for transformation in our lives is symbolized through this track. We bring people in to celebrate the presence of God. We move them off into commitment to Christ and to the church. And then to get connected through some tools. That's step two that we're offering next week. Uh, Some tools and some community to grow. And then to serve, okay? That's step three, where you use the gifts that God's given you to serve the bride, the body of Christ, and then to share your story with those in your world. And we go back out there in the world, and we do it. Now, in your bulletins, why don't you pull out this sheet of paper? You may be asking yourself right now, why in the world should I do this? Let me give you one word. Transformation. Most of us do not like who we are, and there may be good reason for that. You need to be committed to Christ and to his body. That's step one. If you haven't committed to Christ and to a church body, I can guarantee you this, you're not going to change. And so you need to sign up for step one. If you've done that, then the next step in your transformational process is step two. I can guarantee you this. My marriage and my family has been transformed by these purposes. People ask me all the time, George, how did you do it with your, your, uh, with your kids? How, how did you do it with your marriage? 45 years. Let me tell you how. I am purpose-driven. I am committed to Christ, I am committed to the church, and I am committed to the tools of making our family be who God wants them to be. So if you haven't done that, sign up for it. I guarantee you this, it'll transform your life. The third step is all about serving, and we're doing a whole uh, series on this, so I won't expound on that, but I'm going to tell you, you will have no greater thrill in life knowing that your life is in the hands of God and you're being used by him to see transformation in other people's lives. People ask me, George, you put in a lot of hours. Yeah, I do, 67 hours a week. That's an average. Are you ever tired? Yes, I'm tired, but I've never been more fulfilled in my life. When you work within your bullseye, there's a rush that you can't wait to get up in the morning and, inter- and interact in the world that God's placed you in. And then the last one is just sharing your story with your family and with your friends. 
And when you begin to do that, you begin to see your outer world start to be transformed. I want to encourage you. What is your next step in the journey? Use this, sign up for it, and put it in the offering basket or take it out to the guest center's table. Now, we have a Western theme, but I cannot teach with this hat on. It'll drive me crazy. Each and every one of us in this room lives in one of three zones. One of those zones is the panic zone. And in the panic zone, you're panicked because you're doing things that are outside your comfort level, that you're not gifted in, that you're not equipped in, that you're not educated in. In other words, you are over your head. That is one extreme. The other extreme is that you could be living in the drone zone. That is where everything is easy for you. You're in a job or living life that is beneath you. You are an eight-cylinder person, but you're just operating off of one. And it's, mindless, it's a mindless life, and it's boring. Between these two extremes is what I call the J zone. It's the, it's the joy zone. It's where your gifts and abilities perfectly match the life that God has called you to do and to be. And you're confident and you feel good. This is where God wants you to live. He wants you to be in the joy zone. Not in the panic zone, not in the drone zone, but in the joy zone. Last week we said that God is a giver. That he has given us everything that we have. He has given us life. And the life that God has given you is a gift from him. And you are a unique gift. God has uniquely gifted you or shaped you for his purposes that he wants you to do on this side of eternity. There is no one else on this side of eternity that can do what God has shaped you to do. And that is why you're priceless. That is why you are an original And God comes along and says, because you're an original, I don't want you to be like everybody else. I want you to be you. If you're not going to be you, who in the world is going to be you? I've created you and designed you to do things that nobody else can do. Now, this design is wrapped around five things. We call it your shape. Your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experiences in life. When you know what you are shaped to be, then you will know what you ought to be and what you ought to do. Today we're going to take a look at the S in shape, your spiritual gifts. What gifts God gave you the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The moment that you became a follower of Jesus Christ. In that moment, God gave you four gifts. The first one that he gave you was the gift of forgiveness. Now I say this. Even if, there, even if there wasn't a heaven, and there is, but if there, weren't, if there wasn't a heaven, guess what? It would be worth it to become a Christian just so that we could get rid of the guilt. And in reality, most people, honestly, 
are walking around with a boatload of guilt over things that they have done to other people. Or they are resentful as a result of the fact of people doing things to get to them. But the answer to guilt or resentment is one thing. It's forgiveness. Take a look at Romans 5 verse 15. Jesus Christ brought forgiveness, will you circle that word, to many through God's bountiful gift. Will you circle word gift and draw a line between the two? They are connected. The first thing that Jesus did was that he wiped out everything that you had done wrong. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Folks, this is a great deal. The second gift that he gives you is eternal life. This is a gift that just keeps on giving. Now, why did God choose to forgive you and give you eternal life? Will you write this down? Because he has long-range plans for you. Your shape, I'm going to guarantee you this, is going to go into eternity future. And God has long-range plans for your gifts that you think might be just for the here and now, but they are not. Take a look at Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Will you circle gifts and eternal life? You're never going to be able to work your way to heaven. You're never going to be able to buy your way to heaven. You're never going to be able to uh, be good enough to get into heaven. The only way that you and I are going to get into heaven is through a free gift by, through Jesus Christ. The third thing that God gives you is the gift of his spirit. Now, the Bible calls this the Holy Spirit. God says, I'm not only going to be with you, I'm not only going to be around you, but guess what? I'm going to be inside of you. Take a look at Romans 5, verse 5. God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. How do you know when God is operating in and through your life? You see it by embodying all the fruits of the Spirit. Not just some, all of them. If you're not embodying them all, then you're not doing them in the Spirit. All of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He puts those all in you. And guess what? They are not a feeling. It is a fact. You may feel it. You may not feel it. It really doesn't matter. The Bible says that when you trust in Him your, with your life, he invades you, and he gives you what you need. He gives you strength to live out the fruit of the Spirit. Because it isn't just important what you do, it's why and how you do it. The fourth gift that God gives you are some special abilities. He gives you the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, the gift of his Holy Spirit. He gives you some abilities. These abilities in the Bible are called spiritual gifts. These are the abilities that you need to get the job done and to fulfill the very purpose for which God has created you. 
Now, the Bible talks a lot about these gifts. Let me just read a few verses for us. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. Brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. He wants us to, a lot of people don't understand the spiritual gifts, okay? Keep your ears in tune, take good notes. I'm gonna help us here, okay? Notice what Paul says again to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1. I never stop thanking God for all the generous gifts he has given you. He's talking about spiritual gifts. Not that now that you belong to Christ Jesus. He has enriched your church with eloquence and every kind of knowledge, and you have every spiritual gift that you need. Notice that Paul says he enriches your church. Folks, do you realize that our church is enriched with the spiritual gifts of God? Out there in the hallways are over 20-plus ministries. We really have more than that, okay? 20-plus ministries that, that 300-plus people are involved with. It is your gifts that give me the confidence to do church on Sunday morning. Because guess what? I couldn't do it by myself. I couldn't sing. I couldn't be back there on the tack. I couldn't be in the Sunday school room all at once. I'm not God. Your gifts give me the confidence to take on community challenges like hopelessness. Global giants like, like Cameroon. Notice what Paul again says in 1 Corinthians 12. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. If you are a follower of Christ, what Paul is saying here is that you have a gift. There is no such thing as a non-gifted follower of Christ. And he has given you those gifts, not for yourself. Not so that you can have, so to speak, a great career. So that you can leave an inheritance to your kids. No, he's given those to you primarily for the building up of the church. The church is the bride of Christ. It is the apple of God's eye. If you and I want to see our culture transformed, it will only happen when the church arises and becomes what God fully intended it to be, and as opposed to delegating it to other things. God has a purpose for your life, and your spiritual gifts are the equipment that he gives you to do what he asks you to do, and he will never ask you to do what he has not equipped you to do, and what he has equipped you to do is to build the church. I talk to so many people who are concerned about our culture. And I tell them, I listen. And I said, yeah, we need this and we need that. But the hope of the world is the church. It is the church. It is not something that you and I delegate ourselves to just on Sunday morning. It is something that we give our gifts and our talents, our lives to, because it's the bride of Christ. And God in his sovereignty has given you gifts, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. When I use my gifts, guess what? You profit. When I don't use my gifts, I cheat you. The same is true for you. Now these spiritual gifts and natural abilities that we have are different 
They may appear to be the same, but in reality, they are different. When you were born, you were given certain natural abilities, like rolling of your tongue. 53% of people can roll their tongues. If you can't, you're, def- you're defected, okay? Some people can wiggle their ears. Other people are double-jointed. Every one of us has different natural abilities. Uh, When a child is born, some have the natural abilities of performing, and they love to be out in front of a crowd. Do you have one of those in your family? We, We do. Layla, she's right out there, okay? Others, not so much. Who taught them that? No one. It's inborn. Some have a good sense of balance. Others, not so much. Some have a good sense of coordination. Others, not so much. Some have just this appetite for athletics. Others, not so much. When you were born, God gave you a set of natural abilities. When you were born again, God gave you a birthday gift, at least one. He gave you some spiritual gifts. If you're not a believer, guess what? You don't have any. So what's the difference, Pastor George? What's the difference between spiritual gifts and natural abilities? Will you write this down? Spiritual gifts produce spiritual results. Have you ever noticed the difference between a Bible teacher and a gifted Bible teacher? There is a huge difference difference. And the difference is between information and transformation. A teacher can give a lot of information, but a spiritually gifted teacher transforms people's lives. I know a lot of good professional teachers in college, in seminary, in business, okay, Uh, They give a a lot of good information, but guess what? People's lives are not being transformed. Have you ever noticed the difference between a good singer and a spiritually gifted singer? With one, you go, that was good. With the other one, you say, wow, that moved my heart. I felt God's presence. Have you ever noticed the difference between someone who tried to encourage you And someone who has the spiritual gift of encouragement. With one you say, will you just shut up? Just sit there, just be with me. With the other one you said, you know what? My heart was comforted and I knew God was with me. Folks, this is what God says our spiritual gifts are for. And our whole process, you want to see transformation in your life. Do you? You want your marriages to change? You want your kids to grow up, know what they've been made to do, not waste $100,000, send them off to college to do something they're not created to do? I'm serious. This stuff, this is for real. God's given us these gifts to transform our lives, not to give us an inheritance, but rather to give us a legacy to build the church. Now, we're trying something new today. For, for, for the very first time, a live person on the street interview with someone 
who's transforming people's lives, okay? So Marty, let's go to you. Well, good morning again, LifePoint. I am so glad that you're here because this ministry fair is going on. And here in just a few short minutes, we're going to have all of our great volunteers and all of the people that are serving in their gift right out here telling you all about it. And I right now am going to meet with the woman who makes hot coffee for us every Sunday morning when you guys don't think you can even wake up. Let me tell you right now, this is your woman right here. This is Barb Reinick. Say good morning. Good morning. Say howdy. Howdy. <laughs> Oh, you guys. Yeah, she does. She does love us. So, Barb, tell me about what your spiritual gift or your shape is. Amazing. My gift is hospitality. I love to serve people and make them feel welcome and happy. And I really love serving in this beautiful, God-filled church. You really do. Now, how does this, you've been running a coffee bar for like over 10 years. How does this gift, how does it, how does, how do you use your gift standing back here at the coffee bar? Well, it gives me purpose and it makes my heart very happy. And like I said, I just love serving other people and making them happy. Let me ask you this, Barb. At the end of the day, when you know you've done all that God wants you to do in using your gifts, how does that make you feel on the inside? Well, when I go to bed, lay my head down at night, I feel a lot of satisfaction and my heart is very happy. And like I said, I just feel really good that I can do my part and be a part of this church. That is wonderful. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. Say hi to Barb next time you come to the coffee bar because she will have your coffee waiting on you. Back to you, Pastor George. Hi. Okay. How about that? Okay. We still got to work on the technology. But let me tell you, that may seem insignificant out there. But they've done studies. If I can put a cup of coffee in your hand, especially if you're new, your stress level goes down 50%, which makes you more open to what's going to be shared. It transforms people's lives. Now, let me give you four other reasons why you need to know your spiritual gifts. The first one is this. Because they shape your work. Last week I said in architecture, form follows function. You tell me what the building is going to be used for and I will tell you how to build it. The exact opposite is true with human beings. Function follows form. You figure out how God has built you, how he has shaped you, and then you can figure out what he wants you to do. And guess what? God has some things for you to do. He's got some specific things for you to do. Jesus had some things to do. Jesus said, I must work the work of the one who sent me uh, while there is still time. Jesus had a work to do. Paul had a work to do. Paul said, life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord. Just like Jesus and Paul, guess what? You've got a work to do. I call it your life's work. It involves your job. It involves your career. 
And it involves ministry within the walls of the church and a mission outside the walls of the church. Work is a part of God's purpose for your life. And your contribution to your work, towards your career, towards your ministry in the church, and your mission outside the walls of the church is determined by your shape. And that work primarily is this. Will you write this down? It is the power to transform other people's lives. It is the power to transform other people's lives, other relationships, a culture, a community, a world. And the power to transform is different for each and every one of us. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There are different spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit gives them. There are different ways of serving, and yet the same Lord is served. There are different types of work to do, but the same God produces every gift in every person. Will you circle the word different that's mentioned three times? Different spiritual gifts, different ways to serve, and different types of work. We are all called to uniquely do a different work. And so that's why I say, whatever you do, don't, don't be someone else. Be who God created you to be. Knowing your spiritual gift answers the question, what's God's will for me? What does God want me to do? What kind of job does God want me to have? What kind of career does he want me to pursue? What kind of ministry does God want me to have within the walls of the church? What kind of mission should I have in the world? Now, your gifts not only determine God's will for your life, but guess what? They also cause you to see things the way you see them. Let me give you an example. There are, I don't know, about 10 people around the table for dinner. Cody, the gift of hospitality, decides to have everyone over for dinner. And there, Robert Bannock is sitting at the table, and he knocks over a glass. Water goes over everything. He always blames it on his kids, but in reality, he is the one that does it. Marty, who has the gift of exhortation, says, well, the reason why that happened, because you're not careful. Michelle, who has the gift of mercy, says, don't worry about it. Everybody does it. Ben, who has the gift of serving, says, hey, I'll clean things up. Dane, who has the gift of teaching, really, says, well, the reason why that glass fell over is because it's uneven at the bottom. Josh, who has the gift of, 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 of giving, says, guess what? I'll just go out and buy another glass. De- Dennis Tolleson has the gift of administration. There's always someone who needs to organize things. Hey, you do this, you do that, you do that over here. Rose and I who have the gift of gab. We just sat back and we watch all this work being done and we says, guess what, we'll talk to God about this. Your spiritual gifts shapes your work. And your gift isn't just for your work and your career. Do you get that? Do you want to have transformation in your life? Step one, step two, step three, step four. You and I need this stuff. And when I share that, 
I'm getting off. Number two, I want to get you out there. I have two hours worth of content that I worked down. Your spiritual gifts show your worth. The reason you have value is because what God says about you and not what other people say about you. Far too many people focus in on the externals and as a result have a low self-esteem rather than the eternal. And the eternal says you are worth a lot. As I tell my grandkids, you are worth Godzillion dollars, okay? Because the Father made you, the Son died for you, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now understand something. We're working with your kids on this. Right now, they are going. Can you get a close-up on this? Right now, they are going through my spiritual gifts. I want to ask you this as a parent. Could you reinforce this? Have you taken step three? If you haven't, can I encourage you to do that? Because you'll be able to help your kids as you reinforce these things, not as a transaction, but as transformation, to help them become all that God wants them to be. Look at this verse in Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. Will you circle the word masterpiece? That word in the Greek is poema. It stands for poem. God says, you are a poem. You are a work of art. You are a masterpiece. I don't want you trying to be like anybody else. You are unique, and I have made you the way I have made you to show your value, and I want you to use it. No matter how big or how small you might think it is, I want you to use it. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Romans and Romans 12, these are combined. I put these together. We are all part of Christ's body. That word body refers to the church. He's talking about the church. And it takes every one of us to make it complete. In other words, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. No, all the parts are needed. For we each have different, a, a different work to do. There's that word again, different. So we belong to each other and each needs all the others. Whether you think you got a big one or whether you think you got a small one, you are needed. If you weren't needed, guess what? God would not have made you. And you are needed in the church. Well, how do you know that, Pastor George? Because God brought you here. You think you're here by your choice. Not so. God, in his sovereignty, worked circumstantially, sometimes through his spirit, whatever, to get you here. And he got you here not to sit, soak, sour, and spew. <laughs> he brought you here to make a contribution to this spiritual family. Now understand something. There really are no little people in God's family. Every part and every role is important. Your fingernail is an important part of your body. Have you ever lost one? Ouch! It hurts. 
It's important. Every part is important. In fact, the most important little light in my house is my nightlight, especially when I wake up in the middle of the night to go potty so I don't stub my toe, okay? It's the most important light. For some of you, it's the refrigerator light. Notice what the Bible says here. Each of us finds, in Romans 12, 5 through 6, each of us finds our meaning, will you circle that, and function in life as a part of his body. Now, I want to make a bold statement. You will not discover your purpose apart from the church. You won't. God has designed the church to help you discover the purpose of your life and your function. That's what Paul's saying here. This is really strong stuff. As a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned, that is shaped, into these excellently formed, that is shape again, and marvelously functioning parts of Christ's body, that's the church, let's go ahead and be what we are made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Paul's saying, don't pretend to be something you're not. Be who I've created you to be, to function in the church, to make the church be what I've intended it to be, to bring about transformation in the walls and outside the walls. The third reason is it's that, he, that we need to know our gifts is that they sh- it shares or they share your worship. What do I mean by that? When you use your gifts, it's actually an act of worship. It makes God smile. A lot of times people think that God only smiles when they give money. Or or when they pray or when they sing. That's not true. God smiles when you do what you are created to do. Do you remember the movie Chariots of Fire with Eric Little? He was this Olympic runner from Scotland, okay, in 1924. And there's a big story about him, how he wasn't going to run in his big race. And so they put him in a, a relay race. But he said this, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When you use the gifts that God has given you, it puts a smile on God's face. It brings glory to God. John 15, 8 says, when you produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified. In, in, the, in the Bible, the word joy and the word gift come from the same root word, grace. When you use your gifts that God has given you through his grace, you bring joy to God and you bring joy to yourself. There is no greater thrill in life than to know that you're using the gifts that God has given you to build his church and to transform this world. If if you've never experienced that thrill Honestly, I pity you because there is no greater thrill. The fourth reason why you need to know your gifts is that they shine your witness. Now, what do I mean by that? Take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine in front of people. Then they'll see the good that you do and praise your Father in heaven. 
When you use your spiritual gifts, not only does it make God happy, not only does it make you happy, but folks, it makes other people happy. It is a witness to other people. It is a testimony to other people. It is, it is evangelism, honestly, at its height. Evangelism really is nothing more than sharing the good news of what Jesus Christ has done in you. It's sharing your story, God's story, and listening to other people's stories. Evangelism is just telling people why you do what you do. And there are as many ways to share the good news as there are shapes in the world. There isn't just one. Let me give you some examples, okay? Peter, in Acts 2, confronted his culture and said, you killed Jesus and you guys are in big trouble. Peter was being Peter. Peter was being who God shaped him to be. And guess what happened in Acts 2? 3,000 people got saved. Paul in Greece in Acts 17 used an intellectual approach, not a confrontational approach, to prove the, the validity of Christianity and saw a number of people come to Christ. Some of you are like that. A third style that you see in the Bible is this blind man that Jesus healed in John chapter 9. He gets pulled in front of a court. He's on trial. And he doesn't confront and he doesn't intellectually reason why. He just gives his story. He says, I was once blind, but now I can see. I call that the satisfied customer approach. Oh, another one is Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples in Luke 5, 29, who was a tax collector, and he's thinking, you know what? I'm not a confronter, I'm not an intellectual, and I just got saved. I don't have much of a story at all, but guess what? I love to party. And so I'm going to throw a party on purpose for Jesus. Let me give you another one. In John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well who knew everybody told everybody, come and see. And a lot of people came to know Christ. That's an invitational style. The last one is in Acts chapter 9. There is this woman, Tabitha, who had the gift of serving and she made things. And through her gifts, she helped people come to know Jesus. I know a woman in this church like that. Folks, there's all kinds of approaches to evangelism. There's not just one that fits all of them. It's based on your shape. I say this, just learn what your shape is and communicate it with your friends and your family and, and your soccer friends and your co-workers. So how do you do it? How do you use your gifts? For the sake of time, I'm just gonna give you the four blanks, okay? Because I want us to go out into the hallways and I want you to be proud of what your church is doing and I want you to sign up for a ministry, because God wants to use you. How do you use these gifts? Number one, you discover them. 
Well, that's pretty obvious, Pastor George, that I need to discover them. Well, let me state it a different way. You've got to stop neglecting the fact that inside of you there are some dormant gifts. Secondly, you've got to dedicate them. You've got to dedicate your gifts to God. Some of you already know what you're good at. You're just using them for yourself. You've got to dedicate them to God. Third is you got to develop your gifts. Gifts are like muscles. You've got to use them. And as you use them, guess what? They grow and they get better. And then lastly, you got to deploy them. That means you've got to put them into service. You got to get out there and you got to put them into service. Let me read this, Romans 12, 6. We are to use, circle that word, our different gifts in accordance with the grace that God has given us. If our gift is to speak God's message, we should do it according to the faith that we have. And the best place, the best place to discover and dedicate and develop and deploy your gifts is in a spiritually loving family. Life Point Church. Imagine with me, if you will, what this place would look like if every one of us discovered our gifts and we deployed them. That we move from being a consumer to a contributor. Imagine all the needs that would be met in this place. Imagine what our community would look like if we discovered our gifts and we deployed them in the church, yes, but through the bride of Christ into the community and how this community would be transformed. Imagine that. Is it possible that the God of the universe saw and had hope for a fallen world because he knew the church was going to be birthed? And that people would come to know Christ, step one. And that they would grow in Christ, step two, and be transformed. And their relationships begin to transform. And they would discover their gifts in step three. And they begin to deploy those so that there's transformation in the church. And they begin to go outside the walls of the church. Into the community, into the world. To see the world transformed. I happen to think that God thought this whole thing up. He's just waiting for you and I, in our words, to get on the track. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness. <laughs> I just thank you for your grace. I thank you, God, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. God, 48 years ago, I would have never thought that giving my life to Christ 
would change my life, that it would change my marriage, that it would change my family, that you would use me and others to plant a church, to make a difference in a biblical community, to make a difference in the greater community, to make a difference in the world. But you knew that. And I thank you for your grace. Where are you at, church? Where are you at? Have you said yes to Jesus Christ? If you haven't, will you, will you just humble yourself and admit what you really already know? God, I've blown it. I know I've blown it personally. I know I've blown it in my marriage with my family, with my kids. God, I stand before you. I am a guilty person, God. But I thank you for your love. And I thank you for what you see in me. That you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And right now, God, I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ. I'm dropping him from my head into my heart. God, I want personal transformation. Because I want to see relational transformation. I want to see vocational transformation. I want to see community transformation. God, I want to see my world and our world changed. God, thank you for your grace. If you prayed that prayer and in whatever way that you prayed it, would you just let me know? On your communication card, just take it out. Write your name, maybe an email address. Check the appropriate box in the back. Throw it in the offering plate as it goes by. And when I get them the first part of the week, I'll, I'll make sure that I email you some information that'll help you on your journey to transformation. God, we give you this. We thank you for this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen.